Praise God. Amen. Amen. That was that was good. Thank y'all. Seriously. It's awesome. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to find Isaiah chapter 53. And I'm going to go ahead and be brutally honest. I'm going to preach about five sermons. No amens? <laughs> Somebody said no. <laughs> no, I am. I treasure the Lord's Supper. Uh, I want to give a bit of a personal testimony as to why, and then I want to tell you guys a story before I read from Isaiah chapter 53, a true story. I, I, you know, I had this grandmother who went to Ephesus Baptist Church. I sat there in the association, but it's out there in the boondocks. We used to drive to the end of that dirt road and pull into the lake and wash our car, you know, that old back road to McGee's Mill. And, um, you know, I didn't go to church very much as a child, but it seemed like every time I did, it was with her. Her, her name was Sue Zimmerman or Ursula. And, uh, and it seemed like every time we went, they were doing the Lord's Supper. And she would gently and firmly, holding those intention, explain to me why I couldn't take the Lord's Supper. Now, I just wanted that shot glass and that piece of biscuit. But she would withhold from me and preach to my soul. And use those, those, and you know, uh, she, you know, do it in whispers because things, you know, how quiet it gets during the Lord's Supper. And, and, you know, I'm watching that plate pass and I'm, you know, I'm like, this ain't right. They're giving everybody a snack but me, you know. But she was telling me, you know, this was, this, this, this was powerful. This was for believers. It was a, it was a symbol of of the Lord's body. And, 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 you know, I, I can remember her little sermon. She would give me every time that we talk about it. It's a symbol. And it's a substance and it's a point of preaching. That's what she would tell me. A symbol and a substance and a point of preaching. And, and I remember that. No, a symbol and a celebration. Excuse me. And I remember that. And as I grew up one time, I heard, I heard someone talking about people wearing crosses who didn't love Jesus. And so there is a symbol stripped of its substance. If you wear that and you won't live that. You have stripped that symbol of its substance. And now I look back at my childhood, and my grandmother didn't want this symbol here to be stripped of its substance. She wanted it loaded with the substance before she allowed me to enjoy the symbol. See that? It was a celebration, a celebration that Jesus died for us. And it was a point of preaching, she would say. She says, every time we take the Lord's Supper, we proclaim him. And she says, and you, you know, you ain't ready for that. You ain't ready. And I'll never forget the first time I took the Lord's Supper was, uh, it was the summer. I don't remember which month, but the summer of 1997, I had come to the Lord in, in early March of that year. And I got baptized in July, took the Lord's Supper and just sat and cried and cried and cried. And you talking about crying because that thing was loaded, man. It was, the substance was there for me. So the symbol meant a lot. The celebration was there because I'd been, I'd been cut loose from sin, damnation, and hell. Right? And, and both of them was there. They were mingled together in, in this tension that didn't feel wrong. It didn't feel wrong for both of them to be present. Right? This, this really heavy substance and this really awesome celebration. And then I had joined into that moment of preaching with the rest of the congregation. Where any children who were present like me, they were getting a sermon from those who were participating. And any visitors, anybody outside the covenant grace of God. So, when I get to the Lord's Supper, I always get a little too hype, right? I do. I, I get a little too excited. I have about 25 sermons. I, I do not. I'm not. All right, everybody look at your neighbor and say, it's okay. Look at them and tell them, it's okay. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm not dogging anybody. I'm not judging anybody. Tell your neighbor again, it's okay. Tell them. I don't like it when we just tack on the Lord's Supper as something we're supposed to be doing. I like to pause and to reflect. Fair enough? And so y'all was crazy enough to ask me to come, so it's your fault anyway. (laughs) Let me tell you a story now. I mean, so if you'll see, this is loaded for me. I won't apologize that I feel like preaching several sermons. I won't apologize that I'm excited I won't apologize that this is totally loaded for me. The substance is there. So when we get to these symbols, man, whoo, I'm ready to go. I mean, I'm like Hong Kong Fui, man. I'm jumping out the file cabinet. I'm just ready to do something. And I won't apologize for that. 
So let me tell you guys a story. I, I don't hear so well on this side. If, if you're trying to tell me something that's a lot of background noise, a lot of times I'll stop somebody and say, let me get you on my other side. I, I, uh, background noise kills my hearing. So if I get on an airplane, I, I actually will pray, you know, Lord, either give me a non-talkative person on my left or give me somebody on my right if you want me to talk to them. Because the way that sound of the plane is, I can't hear and I spend my whole time going, you know, doing like this. And my neck just don't turn, but so far, I'm not an owl. So I, I was traveling one time, and I was, I was praying, and sure enough, I got that seat against the window, which I don't always treasure. You know, even the parts that ain't fat is still wide, you know. And I like to hang out in the aisles and get beat up by the snack cart. <laughs> Keeps you awake. <laughs> What's this grape juice? I was like, oh, no, we're just coming by for trash, sir. Um, but I sat down, and I, and, I, and I started reading my Bible, and just, you know, the, the flurry of getting in the plane. Next thing you know, we're taking off. And I'm sitting there with my Bible open like this. I should have brought that Bible. I, hadn't, I recently had it recovered, the very one I had with me. And the guy, he goes, so, what are you reading? And I wasn't being a smart aleck. I said, um, the Bible. And, and he, he really he didn't take it as a smart aleck thing. He's like, oh, yeah, what part? And I said, I'm reading about the death of the suffering servant. And he goes, oh, you're, you're reading about Jesus. And I said, yeah, I am. I'm reading about Jesus. And we just struck, struck up a conversation. And, and at that point, I had, you know, I had did this number here. And I'm talking to him. He never saw I was reading in Isaiah 53. Turns out this fellow was Jewish. Raised in a Jewish school, Jewish home, not just Jewish by ancestry, but he was a practicing Jew. And we started talking and I says, hey, let me read you this passage from the Bible. So I started to read it and I was holding it like this so he couldn't really see it. And I read him Isaiah 52, 12 through Isaiah 53. And I says, what do you think that passage is about? And this is what the man said to me. He says, that's your Easter story. I said, who is your? He says, oh, you Christians. That's your Easter story. Now, the whole time I, I read it and I did like this and he, I reached over, didn't ask him. I just flipped down his little tray and I laid the Bible over and I flipped it open open, and, and he starts looking at it and he goes, my God, Isaiah. He didn't realize I was reading from the prophet Isaiah, who he deeply treasured. And he starts reading it. He says, this can't be right. And I says, why not? He says, it has to be a bad translation. He starts scrambling around. He pulls out a digital Hebrew Bible. He starts looking at it. You know, he can, this guy can read Hebrew, and he's looking back and forth. And he's, a, he's like, my God, my God. He's, I, he really thought I was reading the story of Easter instead of the story that's told here in Isaiah 53. He thought I was reading something from the New Testament. He says, I've been, I've been, I've been studying my whole life and I've missed this. Now, I wish I could tell you the story ended with him giving his life to Jesus. It didn't. It ended with us having a rocky landing and being very glad we was on the ground. And both of us praising God in the way we knew him and getting off that plane. But it opened his eyes because what you do see here is Jesus before Jesus is ever born through the womb of Mary, before Jesus is ever given that name that is above every name, before Jesus ever came to us in the flesh, this story of the suffering servant, this prophecy here in Isaiah was about Jesus. And it is so clear that if you didn't know this prophecy about Isaiah and you only knew the story of Easter, and you read this, you would think this was the story of Easter. Why? Because it is. Amen. So this morning, this morning, when we look, 750 years before Jesus was born in the flesh, when we look at the words of the prophet of Isaiah, prophet Isaiah, we're looking at the contemporary story of his death, his burial, his resurrection. We're looking at our Easter story. We're looking back through the lens of time at something that's present tense for us. And if when we take these symbols, we don't have this substance, what we'll do is castrate the symbols of that power. 
And they won't reproduce in us godly awe and wonder and repentance and sorrow and celebration. So this morning, I'm asking you to lean in close. And before we take these symbols, I'm asking you to see the substance. Now, I know our time is limited, so let me go fast. I just chose two. I'm going to expand it to three verses from Isaiah chapter 53, beginning at verse 4. And I'll go as fast as the Holy Spirit will help me to go. That's, that means if I go longer than you want me to, y'all have to go and argue with him, not make smart comments to me. Amen. amen. More than Cindy, amen. <laughs> Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Father, as we open your word, Father, I pray that you Open the eyes of our hearts that we may behold wondrous things from your law. Open the eyes of our heart that we might see Jesus. Maybe some for the first time. Maybe some for the first time in a long time. And maybe some for a fresh way today. Open our eyes that we might see. In Jesus I pray. Amen. Now, at the church where I'm one of the elders, East Rock Community Church, I get away with a lot. And I'm praying, I'm praying, boy, howdy have I been praying, that I can get away with something here this morning. I've asked, uh, uh, I know uh, Miss Kay, I don't know who all she enlisted, but I know Miss Kay prepared some things that I asked them to prepare. And I've asked the men to help me serve something this morning. So I get you, you got your deacons to come. This is not the Lord's Supper. So if you got a child with you and they're not ready, let them do this. This is not the Lord's Supper. Amen. Everybody say amen. amen. All right. You guys come and just serve this. And as y'all serve it, I'll, I'll talk about it. Somebody's going to get y'all too. Okay. What you have here, what you have for here this morning is you have in these little cups a few, a couple, a few sunflower seeds and a grape. And when you get it, when you get it, I want you to know it is for human consumption. This is not something you save for your, bread, your bird feeder at the house. Let me see if I can load these symbols with some fresh Substance. Sermon number one, if you don't get this personally, you won't get it with power. That's sermon number one. If you don't get this personally, you will not get it with power. Look at your neighbor and say, if you don't get it personally, you won't get it with power. If the Lord's Supper, if the gospel isn't personal to you, then when you take its symbols, it will not have substance. So what do you got here this morning? You got a grape. What color is it? I didn't even get to look at them. Hey, you guys should give me one. Don't be stingy. Got a purple grape and you got some sunflower seeds. Got some sunflower seeds. Tim's going to take care of me. I'll just lean over right here, Tim. We're going to be informal. It'll be all right. Did anybody ever tell you have a fantastic name? So don't you find your seeds and just, just be prepared to be awkward. If you're ready to be awkward, say amen. amen. Now, I, I don't know how y'all do this. I played a lot of baseball and softball and somehow, sometimes I'd fill my mouth with Levi Garrett, Bazooka Joe and still be able to split open sunflower seeds. That's called gross, but it was fun. Do you know how to open these? You just take your teeth, open one. I got too many gaps. I can't get one open in a polite way. Oh, I got it. I got it. What'd you find inside, guys? All right, now. Man, do some of y'all have microphones in your mouths? That's incredible. Now, I know some of y'all are saying like this, we shouldn't be doing this in church. Chill. <laughs> Just okay, calm down. Go ahead and eat your seat. Eat one of those seats. Eat it. No, thank you. 
I also learned this morning that I cannot sit beside Chris Clayton anymore. We're like two 12-year-olds in church. Go ahead and get that other. You got, I got two. Y'all get two? Yeah, go ahead and get it. Miss mm. Kay, next time I want the ranch ones. I don't know where she is. I hope she still loves me. Where is she? Where's Miss Kay? Oh, oh, she, oh, she's somewhere. She was here. <laughs> All right, now think about something. They were celebrating the Passover. They were celebrating the Passover. What was the Passover about? It was that deal where the death angel was come, was going to come over Egypt and everybody who believed God would mark their door and everybody who didn't would not mark their door and the firstborn of every household of an unmarked door would die. And before they did that, they said, hey, when this Passover angel comes, Pharaoh is going to be, he, he's going to let y'all go. He's going to say, you're free, get out of here. You need to be ready to roll fast. So what I want you to do is to make some un- Leavened bread. Leavened or not. Leavened or not. Bread. <laughs> bread is more than going to food line. I don't know if y'all knew that. Now I know if we have any threat of snow, everybody suddenly gets a craving for milk sandwiches. <laughs> I didn't know that was going to be so funny. <laughs> But think about it. You go there and you just grab a loaf or, or however you buy your bread. Some of you guys probably need that gluten-free stuff that's in the freezer. You just grab it. But have you ever thought about, God bless farmers, everybody say amen. amen. You ever thought about how much preparation went into the soil, to the, to the seeding, to the sowing, to the tending, to the fighting off of, of bugs, to the prayers for weather and then the harvest comes and you take the harvest in and at some point somebody has to get rid of the chaff of a, of a wheat kernel that's that you guys got rid of the chaff this morning that's what all the cracking was about everybody lift up your chaff let's see if we can make a sound together now everyone can join the choir quit being lazy you just made music you see that you got to get rid of the chaff Right? And then we've only just begun. Shout out to Karen Carpenter. We've only just begun. What happens next is they have to cure the seed, crush the seed, blend the flour, make the bread. When you read in the scriptures that he was crushed for you, I want you to think about what you just did with that seed. You just crushed it. He was crushed for you. And he went through the grueling process of being crushed for you. Crushed. So as they instituted the Lord's Supper, celebrating Passover, they, they were celebrating that time when God delivered them. And Jesus says, I'm getting ready to deliver you. I'm the bread from heaven. This bread, he broke it and he says, give thanks. This is my body. This is, this is that element that has been prepared for you. And how did it get prepared? Through a lot of processes that led to a tremendous crushing. Likewise, take your grape. You know what to do. Don't make sound effects with this one. That would be gross. Mmm. These are pretty good, huh? How do you get wine? Now, I know we Baptists. He said wine. <laughs> How do we get juice? How do we get wine? They take the grapes. And they bring them down to the wine press. And they smush them. They crush them. And what comes out of them? Glorious juice. But think about all the crushing. Isn't it amazing how Gideon was caught Threshing wheat, that means he was getting, trying to get, trying to get the, the husk. He's trying to get it off of the wheat kernel in where? Who remembers? In a wine press. You go on top of a hill with wheat so you can catch a wind. You go to the bottom of the hill with grapes so you can, because um, they're heavy. See that? But where was he? He was at the bottom of the hill 
in a place of crushing, crushing the thing he was supposed to be doing at the top of the hill. Go back and look at Isaiah 53. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. In other words, people looked at Jesus there on the cross and said he got what he deserved. That was what they said that day. We look back, we here at the Reese Baptist Church, we don't say he got what he deserved. We say he got what he didn't deserve. But when it was happening, they was going, this guy's saying he's God. Crucify him. This guy's saying he is bigger and better than the temple. Crucify him. Should we let Barabbas go? Crucify him. And you need to hear your voice in that crowd. And you need to understand that it was not just their sin and their rebellion. It is our sin and our rebellion. We took part in the crushing. And if it's not personal, you won't view it with power. This morning, I want to ask you, has it become personal to you? Has Jesus become personal for you? Has his life and his death become personal to you? Like we worry a lot about what people do, what they do and what they say, what they do with their members, right? Their hands, their feet, their tongues, and the other parts of their body. Do you know that that the, the chief thing is that your whole life be surrendered to the Lord, and then he brings into lordship all the members of your body. But in our society, we want to work on members without working on the soul. We just want people to straighten up and act the way we want them to. God wants you to find a life. And I'm telling you, this doesn't mean anything until it becomes personal. Until you see your sin was part of what crushed Jesus. It it, you took part in it, just like your own teeth or your own false teeth, praise God. I have several of them. Most of these are not mine. They started out as projects in the dentist's office. Who's ever teeth you're working with this morning? It was you who crushed that sunflower seed. It was you who crushed that grape. It was your sin. It was my sin. It was even the other Tim's sin. Chris's sin. It was everybody in the choir lost sin. It was our sin that crushed Jesus. And until it becomes personal, it won't be powerful. I'm not just taking the bread because it's time to take the bread. I made this bread. I made the need for it rather. I was part of what crushed the goodness of heaven in the realm of man. I'm part of what verse, I'm that crowd in verse 6. We have all gone astray. Let the church say amen. amen. All have sinned and fallen short of what, church? The glory of God. He was wounded. He was pierced through. That was his, that was his side. That was his hands. The Bible is, is full of this. He was done so at the hands of foreign powers. If Jews had crucified Jesus... They would have stoned him to death. But what did the Romans do? They took the wind out and they took the blood out. And they took the life out. On the cross he was bruised. He was crushed under the burden of the weight of our sin. He was chastised. He was given many stripes. But what was the purpose of this? The purpose was that people could find healing. The purpose of this was that for every sheep that has gone astray, newsflash, every sheep has gone astray. So for every sheep that has gone astray, that straying sheep might hear the shepherd's call and say, you have rebelled, you have sinned, you have caused this crushing, but I am taking it in your place. If it's not personal, it won't be powerful. Second sermon. Don't miss the many themes. Don't miss the many themes here when you talk about the Lord's Supper. And maybe somebody needs to write this down. At East Rock Community Church, we've taken whole seasons. Sometimes we've taken, one time we took eight services in a row. We did the Lord's Supper eight weeks in a row. Eight services dedicating to appreciating how big, how meaningful this is. I told y'all to be warned. I don't like tacking it on. Amen. I don't like tacking it on. 
I'm not judging people who tack it on. Tim doesn't like tacking it on. So just make sure you got a new pastor, and I'm not here before you take your next one. Amen? <laughs> Six things you should always be thinking about. The Lord's Supper is about remembrance. Every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Retrace. As you, as you receive this today, retrace the final events of Jesus' life leading to Calvary. N- note the things he said. Call to mind the things he told us to do and to think. And, and remember what he told us to remember. When you look at the body, when you look at the bread, when you look at the cup, remember his body. Remember the blood. And pray, God, that this remembrance strengthens you and encourages your faith. The disciples weren't ashamed when they said, we have faith, give us more. The man who was desperate to see a change in his son's life, he wasn't ashamed when he cried out to Jesus, I believe, help thou my unbelief. When you look at this table, you remember what he's done. You take note of what he's doing, and you look ahead to what he plans to do. You remember You also make proclamation. You remember this symbol has substance and it's preaching. Lo and behold, don't ask me to do a baptism. You'll get this all over again. Because if that symbol doesn't have substance, then it too is stripped of its power. You got a top of the water. Okay, I'm going to give you all a preview. Top of the water. Top of the water, y'all with me? It's see-through water. That's how it works. Here you are. Plug up. You're buried. Whoop. Resurrection. Preaching Jesus. Preaching Jesus when you do it. When you take this, you proclaim his body, you proclaim his blood. Secondly, thirdly rather, fellowship. This is a unifying act. The Lord's Supper. I'd love to say a ton about this, but I've got to hurry up. Also, it's a time of self-examination. You know the passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It tells them like, hey guys, when y'all do this, do it the right way. Take a look at yourself. Who remembers that old song from the 70s? Um, Take a look at yourself and you can look at others differently by putting your hand in the hand of the man from Galilee. Boy, you need to take a look at yourself. Everybody loves to look out the window. Hardly anybody loves to look in the mirror. And when you come to the Lord's Supper, take a look at yourself. We love to judge. We need to remember that the Scriptures would tell us to judge ourselves lest we be judged. Also, you need to come with a sense of thanksgiving. Give thanks for this body. Give thanks for this blood. And then lastly, we need to have a sense of expectation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 the Apostle Paul says that we do this. We, we, we do this until he comes. We do this. How long, church? So we preaching for how long? What message are we preaching? The body, the blood, the gospel. Third, and I'll make this the, I won't give you five, I'll just give you four. Third sermon. Sin is serious. When you look at the Lord's Supper and the fact that we're told to remember this, like Jesus himself gave us this. Like, why don't we take the Lord's Supper? You you could tell me Jesus said so and that'd be enough. Somebody say amen. I wouldn't need any other reason. Like, why we get baptized? Jesus said, get baptized. Anybody ever looked at your kids when they said, why? And you said, what? Like, you know, Jesus didn't tell us to do a whole lot of things we do. But he definitely told us to do a couple things we better get to doing. But when we do it, let's don't do it with emptiness. Remember that it reminds us that we were part of the crushing We crush him. Sin is serious. So here we are poised. And we are, I am, I'm poised between the somberness that this table represents and the celebration that this table represents. The good news always is made good because there's bad news to compare to. Sin separates us from God. We're born dead in our trespasses and sins. No one sees the kingdom unless they're born again. 
So if you're separated from God and you can't see the kingdom, what has to happen? God has to do a work in your life. And then you have to get with God about what the problem is being. Tim's been smiling the whole time, so I'm going to use you. Is that okay, brother? Let's imagine that, I don't know, I lose my mind up in here. And I just come over there, and I, I, I slap Tim's left eyeball out of his head. I hit him so hard. And then I come to my senses. I mean, why did I do that? I don't even know. I was, I was caught in the grips of the enemy. I don't know. And I come to you, and I say, Tim, what can I do? And he says, say you're sorry from an honest heart. Glad you told me that. I start mowing his grass every week, and I bring him pet chocolate moose tracks ice cream every Sunday morning, which you may not know it, but is the best. And I shine his shoes, press his suit. I come every night and give him his dose of Metamucil and tuck him into bed. Telling him sweet stories. And I do this for 50 years. I've created an offense. He set a condition. And if I did all that and never met that condition, it would be great. And his yard would look good. And he'd love being tucked in. You know, he'd love it. He'd love my ice cream. I'd even put a little cinnamon sugar in your Metamucil so it would go down smooth. Let's imagine I did that for the next well, let's give you 20 years. <laughs> Faithfully, day in and day out, but never met your conditions. Have I really been forgiven? See, sin is serious, and Jesus says, Jesus says that, you know, he came to die so that we wouldn't have to. There's a condition. If you believe on the name and receive him, you are given the right to be called the sons and daughters of God. And he wants all of you. And when he gets all of you, he's going to work on all of you. He don't want just a little piece of you. He don't want you to cross, cross over to him holding your sword out of the water. Saying, I'll give you everything but this, whatever your this is. Some of y'all hold your wallet out. Some of y'all hold your pride out. And he, you, you got to meet God where he told you to meet him. If Tim had said you have to say you're sorry from an honest heart, and if I said I was, if I did all that and said I was sorry, but I wasn't really sorry from an honest heart, I wouldn't have met your condition. I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, you got to meet God on his terms, not on yours. Amen. And a lot of us don't appreciate the power on this table because we haven't met him at his terms. We've met him on, we joined the church without ever joining Jesus. And we're being real, real nice to God in a way we never have before. But we ain't met him on his terms. This morning, maybe somebody needs to meet him on his terms. And this needs to be your first Lord's Supper that is loaded with substance. Sin is serious. We're sinners by nature. We're sinners by choice. We are like sheep. We're born with a nature that prompts us to go astray. And like sheep, we foolishly decide to go our own way. And like sheep, we need the chastening hand of the shepherd. And like sheep, we need to receive it. By nature, we are children of wrath. And by choice, we have become children of disobedience. That's Ephesians 2, 2 and 3 right there. And we can, go by, we can go by a lot of rules, but if we don't come back the way God, if we don't come to God the way he said come to God, we know come to God. We've come around God. I'll give you the fourth and last sermon in a few minutes when we take the Lord's Supper. But let me offer an invitation this morning. Somebody saw this when they came, because human nature, right? Human nature. Not because I'm, uh, what's that word? Omniscient. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. I really thought Virginia was going to win last night. My omniscience run out about 8 o'clock. I'm not omniscient. I just know human nature. Somebody walked in. They forgotten that this was going to be Lord's Supper. They said, oh, man, it's going to be long. We got something else to do after the sermon, and Tim preaches long. You're right. Maybe I need to work on that. But if you saw this and dreaded the length of the service, something ain't right with you and Jesus today. 
And if you look at this and it doesn't kindle in you gratitude and humility and yeah, celebration, excitement. If it doesn't wake up in you a ton of truth, you know, truth that then gives you emotions. Emotions don't always give you truth, but truth will give you emotions. If it doesn't wake up a ton of truth, then I'm asking you this morning to look at where you really are with the Lord. Because if this isn't personal, if you don't see your part in making the bread necessary and making the wine necessary, somebody right, y'all. And maybe this morning, this will be the first time in a long time you've taken this with power. And it's okay to say, man, should I cry or jump up and down? It's okay. Maybe both. Maybe this morning it's your sin. It's, 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 it's his gift and it's just so heavy on you that you just need to cry. That's a perfect response. Or maybe you're grinning from ear to ear and you say, man, I can't believe Jesus did this for me. Guess what? That's good too because the truth brings out all sorts of emotions. But I'm asking you this morning, I think we, I didn't even ask this, Carol. Do we have an open communion? You don't have to be a member of the church to take communion. Is that true? Have to be a Christian, baptized. Is that the rule? That's the way we are at East Rock. We, we take you at your word, amen, that you love Jesus, right? So this morning, right, this, this, this might be an opportunity for you to surrender your life to God right now and this be your first communion. Well, some of you guys, it may be your first powerful communion. And I know I've told you a lot of stuff, but I want you to go back to that guy on that airplane who couldn't believe that he had read the scriptures his whole life and missed the Easter story in an Old Testament prophet. And when he found it, he was shook. Hashtag shook. I don't know where it ultimately led him, but I know what it did to him that day. Well, I'm here to tell you every time I see this table, I'm shook. So believer, how are you with Jesus today? Settle that before you bite. Settle that before you swallow. And maybe today you need to give your life to the Lord. The gospel is this. That he died on the cross to pay for your sins, that he was buried, and that he, re- he was resurrected to defeat death. If you believe on Jesus, you believe on his completed work, not just that it's necessary for you, but that it's sufficient with God. The work of God the Son is sufficient with God the Father, and you believe on that work. And you don't stand on your record, your church membership, your baptism, how, many, how much offering you've given, how many times you've never missed Sunday school. You say, I stand on Jesus. If you believe that name and receive him, that means you say, yes, it's not just information, but I receive him as the Lord of my life, then you will be saved. So during this time of decision, during the hymn of decision this morning, without him, without him, I'd be nothing. Without him, I'd surely fail. You might be successful for a hundred years, but on judgment day without him, you're going to be nothing. How are y'all with Jesus this morning? Let's pray. Father, as we stand to sing and as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's table, maybe there's that soul, Lord, that needs to answer that eternal question. Have they come to you on their terms or is it only on yours? On yours? If they haven't come to you, Lord, on, on your terms, then reveal that to them. And God, what do you want to do? You don't want to just beat them. You took a beating. You want to reveal it to them. So they can come to you and find healing. So, Father, whether it's the Christian who has grown cold in his salvation, or whether it's that person who has never surrendered to you during this time of invitation, you do what only you can do and call them to yourself. In Jesus, I pray. Amen. Our hymn of decision is number 470. Let's stand and sing together without him.
church in the city of Corinth. We know that they had lost, either they had never known exactly what the Lord's Supper was about, or they had lost their moorings with it. How do we know that? Because the Apostle Paul writes to them and is like, you know, boys, this is potluck. I mean, you know, y'all are treating this thing, you're treating one another wrong. You're going about the meal all wrong. And so the point of correction wasn't for the sake of only correction, but it was also for appreciation. So he says, you know, y'all are not doing this right. So when you do get together and do this, here's why. He tells in verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he betrayed, when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Those words. It's for you. It's for you. Isn't that cool? You remember my story? I was his true story. I would hear that, and my grandma would say, this ain't for you. I was confused. I mean, how are you going to read this is for you and then tell me this ain't for you? So who is the this is for you? Who is that? It's that person who has become personal. So guys, you Christians in this room, this is for you. It's for you. Father, once again, as we come before that throne of grace, Lord, we come this morning, Lord, thanking you for the message we had already heard, Lord, for Tim who presented it to us, Lord. We pray, and Father, that we'll plant down life, Lord, and live a life that's pleasing unto you, Lord. Father, we need to take this really, really serious, Lord, because you took it serious. We need to live daily, Lord, by it. We need to go in, out in the highways and byways and tell others about you and your love, Lord. We need to show more love toward each other, Lord. Father, we just need to pray for you daily, Lord, and ask you to help us and guide us. And we just thank you so much, Lord, that you gave us the opportunity to take this bread. Now, may we take it with honor and always thanking you for it. In Jesus' name.
Supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this club, cup, here in this church, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. What's cool about that is that we, we proclaim his death as the semicolon, not period. Not the end of the story. We're proclaiming his death that it has a purpose, but it's not the end of the story. Amen. Well, those old Jews, they talk about blood. We watch movies full of blood. We, we almost have become as sad as they need to. When they talk about blood as life, he gave his life. His body and his blood gave his life. So we take the cup. Let's remember that the blood is for us, and it also helps us preach to our neighbor.
Parliament, I think.